Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen, uh, joined by Gary Potterfield. Uh, and we are talking today about advocacy communications. And I'm kind of relieved. I don't know about you, Gary. Um, I think it's a topic that really relates to storytelling. And if you look at the political events of this week, we've completely lost the story. <laughs> well, I was just going to say the fact that uh, and if you look at the slight political side of things, it certainly uh, is something that uh, I wouldn't say near and dear to your heart, but at least something related to your heart. Maybe it's a dagger in your heart, but, but at least it's something you can relate to a little bit in that regard. Well, I think where PR and politics comes together is with the ability to come up with a compelling narrative. Um, you know, my downfall is that I just think it should be, you know, true. Well, well, I, well, that, well I, that's actually kind of a tricky one, though, in this business, really. I mean, um, when you that, that's what I will think about if you take a client. You know, how much do you just take on face value and say, sure, or how much do you, do you have to invest? What do you have to do to, to uh, effectively support your client and, and their agenda? Um, and, how much, and how much due diligence do you have to do with them? You know, right. And then sometimes it's not even the client. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I, I almost feel like there are grassroots uh, factory firms um, who take a campaign do some um, notional research. It's like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to work. And like, it doesn't matter if what we say is relevant or correct. We're just going to say it louder because we've done this before. And it works. Yeah. You know, you think about it, you know, uh, the, the business of public relations and, uh, and uh, when you look at where the money is, boy, uh, I don't know about advocacy, but the pol- the politics side of it, boy, there's some bucks over there, huh? Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, and it's because of, you know, the fundraising uh, burdens we've put on elected officials in this country. It is kind of for um, uh, folks, it is almost kind of like a self-perpetuating money machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I just... Um, Are you trying to talk us into start, uh, to doing campaign work? Uh, I don't think that's a... that's. That's a dangerous idea. <laughs> we've well, we've almost done that before, or we've you know where and we've talked about what are the implications for us as a company, you know does it does it matter? I mean you know you know how will it affect us otherwise uh, for other clients? I don't know that it, we never really got into it, but um, I'm wondering about you and your you know was it how off putting was it to you the the aspect of what you had needed to do. To be able in your campaign to be able to um, to run an effective one. Do you, I mean, it's all about the money and fundraising. Was that just? I just can't imagine that being any fun. Uh, no, it's not. Um, and um, you know, for a small unpaid state office, um, it's one thing. And generally, you're looking at about eighty to a hundred thousand dollars for that in New Mexico, which is just crazy. Um, but I. 
guess for me, it was the frustration um, being semi-rural and being spread out um, daily door to door was close to impossible. I did a lot of door to door. I knocked on a lot of doors, uh, but it, it's just um, you can't get the canvassing that you would in um, uh, a typical suburban neighborhood. There, there's that, um, and then you know we're uh, because we're a far, far, far suburb of Albuquerque. The mainstream Albuquerque media don't really. Uh, focus on the East Mountain areas. So choosing a medium was hard, and it wound up being really direct mail, um, and it wound up being uh, influencer outreach. And, uh, you know, the the, the fascinating thing is, I, I use the phrase emotional blackmail a lot, where you've, you know, you get somebody really, really spun up on what's important to them. But, but I think the big difference, and when we use that emotional blackmail element um, for our existing clients, whether uh, you use it in a sales pitch, whether you're using it in um, a political um, uh, stump speech, again, the biggest problem I have is, uh, and I think, again, the downfall for my campaign is I insisted that it be true. You know, I think I think I, I've just realized something. I think your your downfall was a cognitive dis, dissonance. That, you know, merit and rural. It just doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, and I got to admit, um, a dear dear friend and a retired state representative went canvassing with me, and I showed up in my campaign polo shirt, hiking pants, and hiking boots, and I thought her jaw was going to hit the bottom of her SUV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you should have gone like you. Well, it yeah. was kind of like me. I mean, the shirt was um, black and white and red. So, yeah. Now, I think I, I, I put a lot of uh, my personality and my ethics into the campaign. And you've got to think about also at the 50,000 foot view, uh, when they're just getting snippets of a candidate, what do people want to hear? And, right. uh, you know, I really focused on relevance to what would be happening in the state. And what won the primary was a very, very extreme, uh, uh, extreme view on national topics that were not necessarily relevant to the state legislature. I was um, uh, recently um, rewatched um, episodes of Brain Games. Did you ever watch that show? It was on National Geographic. Yeah. Brain Game. Yeah, and they had uh, you know, Jason Silva host, real smart guy. But uh, they had one of the episodes, and they when they did a, a game uh, where they showed uh, politicians, they showed photographs of two politicians of an actual election that had happened, and they asked people in a mall, who, who would you vote for? And they all voted for the winner, not knowing zero, knowing absolutely zero about them, simply by the look on their, uh, the look of their faces on uh, in in the picture. So, uh, I'm not saying that's why you lost. It had nothing to do with with attractiveness. It just it had to, it had to do with like. Uh, I don't know the smile. The you know, did you smile enough, Merritt? You smile. I, I did. I did smile. Um, I. Uh, this is um, uh, still hard for me to swallow. But there is a great deal of gender bias in my primary. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know the whole little lady. Uh, oh, how I'm not cute! Sure how you, nice! How cute yeah. of you to run. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I'm just not sure you've got um, what it takes. Uh, and I, I just don't sure, I'm not sure you understand these topics well enough. Um, that was kind of horrifying. Oh my uh, goodness. So, and then that, that was a function of our, um, just a function of our location and our population. And yeah, anyway. Um, Are you scared straight? That's what I want to know. <laughs> scared straight in that um, I have no intention on doing anything in 2020 besides being a pundit. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's probably a lot more fun when you do your uh, New Mexico in focus. You get to just sit there and uh, pontificate, huh? Oh, yeah. And because I'm not cons- – it's really gloves off for me because I no, no longer care about upsetting powers that be. And I, can, I feel I can be much more um, – um, my, I can be much more my opinion and uh, much less party line, and it's very freeing. Well, I was wondering about that too. I mean, is you know the, the artificial nature of politics, and I'm I'm definitely not the subject matter expert on this, but but the idea that that you know you you got to you got to drop into one of these two buckets, and and you know, like the issues that, you, that I heard you dealing with or talking about didn't seem to be uh, didn't seem to relate in uh, to to left, right. They just seem to relate to, you know, real stuff affecting local folks. Right. I mean, I was focused on taxes, jobs, education, broadband in rural areas. Um, that, was, and, that, was just so, that was just for our show, of course. Indeed. Just, just, just so I could do my podcast. That's all I want. State of New Mexico, drop everything for me so the brand ambassadors can be crisp and clear. But, um, uh, you know, I will say this. I'm kind of surprised We've got our new legislature, which went very, very strong Democratic, which is why I'm excited to talk to um, our guest today, because one thing I think we saw in the 2018 campaign, when it came to storytelling combined with the grassroots outreach, the Democrats really cleaned up in 2018. It was, um, and it wasn't even a blue wave in New Mexico. It was a blue tsunami. No and, and so I'm stunned that we've got our new Democrat governor and almost a supermajority legislator suddenly taking on national issues I did not expect New Mexico to take on um, and that I ultimately think will not be uh, successful or um, perhaps popular with voters. Because I, I do believe, uh, regardless of um, what... Uh, Factions, you can whip up into a frenzy. Eighty percent of the American people kind of feel the same way about most of the big issues. Hmm. Yeah. If we could just maybe turn off Facebook, we wouldn't have to worry so much. Maybe. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. No kidding. But this is why I'm so excited to be talking to Dennis Willard and Gary. You know, he's a longtime friend of yours. You know, uh, tell our listeners yeah. uh, what he's bringing to it. Well, first of all, yeah. So we 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 met when we were. Uh, uh, budding uh, uh, Navy journalist, and then he did some inexplicable thing. He he got out of the Navy, and then of all things, decided to become a journalist. What mm-hmm. the hell is that about? Uh, did that for uh, for many many years, uh, working at the State House for the Akron Beacon Journal, uh, twenty three years altogether, and then uh, and then left that and and went into uh, what we're talking about today, which is uh, political and uh, and advocacy, public relations. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what uh, Dennis has to say, having seen and been a part of, you know, of, of both sides of that. And I'm curious what he's learned and how he's taken advantage of that. So he's done a lot of things with, uh, we'll hear about them, about campaigns that, uh, that um, for, for things like ending gerrymandering, 
<clears throat> and uh, collective bargaining and things like that. So uh, it'll be interesting to talk to Je- Dennis. And, uh, and as we, I've, when I think about how long I've known him, I just kind of get ill because I think, uh, how can I know somebody? I've known him almost longer since like you were probably just getting ready to go into, uh, into kindergarten. So that's pretty scary. Well, yeah. You know, Lisa Lee and Lusk, who came by the office on Wednesday, I took her to um, the bar at the AC Hotel, where, of course, the bartenders know me by name, and explained um, to um, uh, the gentleman pouring that I'd known Lisa longer than he'd been alive. It's, it's just, it's kind of a depressing thing. No, it is. <laughs> doggone it. It's life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Hey, you listen to the Brand Ambassadors. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk uh, to Dennis Willard of Precision New Media, and we're going to talk about advocacy and fun things like that. You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors. Talk to you in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin, good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program welcome back to the brand ambassadors i'm Merritt hamilton allen joined by Gary Potterfield, and I'm uh, so pleased to welcome Dennis Willard uh, of Precision New Media. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us this morning. 
Well, I appreciate being here, and it's also good, you know, to be working with Gary again after all these years. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And just uh, by background, um, before uh, uh, Dennis started Precision New Media. 2010, he was a state house reporter and spent 15 years as the state house bureau chief for the Akron Beacon Journal. Uh, but then he went on to found uh, Precision New Media, which is a, a PR advocacy firm. And what I find fascinating about that is I, I see very typically often the state house reporters get picked up by incoming state administrations and become, you know, the government spokesperson. And that's kind of, compared to what you're doing, the easy job. Because so to, to me, the, the, the rallying the troops, the grassroots outreach, you're definitely, um, uh, to me, taking uh, the harder road. What made you decide to uh, go out into the, um, the, the PR advocacy field? Uh, I'm probably dumber than some of those people you're talking about. They did take the easy road. This was, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I went in. I went into this with, you know, and Gary knows me, sort of like rose-colored glasses, thinking that everything would work out. It has, but looking back on it, I'm, you know, I'm surprised how, you know, things. I had just a lot of good fortune um, to be able to start a business and uh, and for it to be, um, you know still operating eight years later. Hey, Dennis, uh, I, I, it's taking back to going back to your, uh, your reporter days and the end and, and where you see the industry now. I mean, we've had uh, colleagues who have uh, other colleagues who have uh, left, um, left the, the newspaper industry. Um, what, what do you see? What's going on with that industry before we move on to what you've been doing? What's going on with that industry? And, and what do you think the implication is for, for us uh, as a country? This is going to be depressing. Yeah, yeah, I thought I, I, thought I wanted to, I wanted to bring us down. Come on. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Uh, so, well, I think you know, I, I think it has changed dramatically. It, it it makes it difficult, more difficult in some ways for us in what we do, but it also makes it a little easier. Uh, the Reporters now have to run around with uh, cameras and uh, iPhones, and so they're taking pictures, taking video, they're posting on Facebook, they're tweeting, and then they're writing stories. And that's a lot. Uh, that means just, you know, just by time constraint, unfortunately, that their reporting is going to be quicker and, and often lack the depth that maybe uh, there was in the time when you would come in at like, you know, 8.30 and start making a phone calls and talk to a bunch of different people, look at some paper, you know, that maybe you made a public records request or actually read the legislation or something or a resolution and then write that up. And so that makes it very difficult. But I will say there's still tremendous reporting going on. So I don't want to be, you know, like the old guy who says that things are horrible now. For our purposes, um, you know, when our uh, when somebody that we're maybe uh, going up against on an issue uh, gets to a reporter before us, we have to be just as quick because sometimes a reporter gets information, goes to online with it, and then makes the second call for reaction. And so, if your opponent or you know or who's over on the other side of you gets to them first and gets something out there then you're reacting to that, number one, which is not good. You want to be proactive. And secondly, 
you know, it could be out there for a while before you get the reporter to put your side up or uh, get your message into it. Um, the flip side works for us. Sometimes you, if you're, if you're proactive, you can get a message out there quickly. Um, you know, but, uh, on the, on the positive side for us also, reporters need, uh, to feed that 24 hour machine now. Even print reporters have to do that. And so, uh, it is easier than ever now to get op-eds, letters to editors, um, to, to get, um, uh, to get a press release that you put out printed almost verbatim. Uh, so if you're, if you're really smart and plan and get your message and you get that message strong, there's a lot of ways to get that out now uh, because of the changing landscape of shrinking newsrooms and tr- uh, just a heavier workload for individual reporters. You know, I I could not agree more, and I think this is an opportunity that Republicans have missed out on, and I don't know if it's because they got so complacent with um, working with only, you know, completely friendly partisan media outlets. I'm not sure, but I'm going to give you an example. We just had a big changeover after eight years of of a Republican governor. We have a Democratic governor, and then as I noted earlier in the show, almost a supermajority in the legislature. Um, Previous governor never did press, and her press people didn't respond to press and didn't answer calls. And uh, in the last week uh, of December, uh, the outgoing uh, governor's press secretary had a notice on his door uh, basically noting that, you know, the media only write what they want to write and – so, you know, there's no point in sharing any information whatsoever with the media. And then, so so then comes January 1st, new administration. I cannot get the governor and the lieutenant governor out of my news feed, and I don't even like them. <laughs> but but they, are, they are churning out so much content and being so accessible and involving the media in everything they do. And I feel like I'm banging my head against a desk going... Oh, GOP mine, why can't you figure this out? Do you see that in Ohio? Do you see that nationwide? I, I think, Merritt, I think you raised something really interesting, and that is, you know, two, two things that really strike me about what you just said. One is just the whole concept of media relations. So, you know, I work with folks, I've worked with folks who, like, just they hate the media. They don't understand the media. You know, uh, they hate the media. They... They don't understand what a successful um, effort is because, you know, we like let's say you take a 20-inch story that appears and that you get placed in a newspaper. You get a reporter to write a 20-inch story. Let's face it. If they talk to two or three sources, they, um, you know, your, your, your client may, you know, have at most a quarter of that story. That's five inches. And that's a lot. Yep. Because, you know, yep. you've got to have the other sources and you've got to have uh, the lead, the nut graph, all these different things in that story. And this is when I do media training, I try to explain the mind of the media to the client and also just how little space there really is in a story. So, um, so, so now you've got, and I've had this happen so many times, there will be a 20-inch story and there will be one word, literally one word, an adjective in the story that the client finds offensive or doesn't like uh, or wished was better. And then to them, they're, 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 
they're seeing that and saying, oh my gosh, the media, you know, is biased or this story isn't good. And I'm like, look, you got like 19 other inches here that says everything you want. So I think you and have to really work with your client for them to understand what winning in the media really means. Well, and and to me, um, you know, it's uh, getting that third party, the the neutral third party coverage is so important. And I'm Gary, I'm sorry, I'm sure you have a question, but this is one thing I find interesting because I want to take you back to your Navy background. Um, where we are right now in Washington is a chief executive who really um, completely controls his own narrative uh, for good or for ill, um, ignores the media, and as a result. Um, you may have seen uh, uh, there was a story just released this week about a submarine commander who was um, uh, punished for hiring prostitutes overseas. And for those of us in the Navy, that it's it's fascinating, Schadenfreude, amusing on many levels. Until I realized this happened last summer, and we're just finding out about it. I mean, uh, do you, do, what do you think about fair and free flow of accurate information from seats of government to a free press? Just a minor well, topic. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it's absolutely critical. Um, you know, so, um, and when I was a reporter, and, and often when I'm working with clients now, I, I try to help them by saying, look, I'm going to put my reporter's hat back on and, you know, come at you as a reporter so you see what's going to happen when you're out there with this. But, but I always used to believe in sort of like the people, people and paper principle. Like, you know, um, people lie sometimes, unfortunately, or mislead or spin, and paper can be misinterpreted. So what I would always try to do as best I could is, you know, try to he- talk to as many people as I could about something, but also look at what paper trail there was for that. Now, I covered government, and that made it a little easier to do, you know, because if somebody was talking about a proposed bill, then I could go look at the law or the analysis of the law, look at the budget impact of the law, proposed law, but, but at the same time ask, you know, the people who were pushing it or opposing it, you know, what their positions were. But I think it's absolutely essential that you have free flow of information. We do have you know, going back to shaping the narrative, we have that in our president right now, but also, um, you know, I think there's going to, there's a a certain, you could see it, a creeping fatigue of, uh, we're getting kind of tired of the, of the president Trump narrative. Uh, now there, I think there'll be a third of the country that will never move away from that. Um, and as you know, all, all elections are won in the middle. So, I think, you know, I think that, that the, the independents, either leaning right or left, um, are really tired, are, are growing tired and seeing Trump fatigue. Well, um, uh, we've got, uh, we're coming up on a break here, Dan, and uh, we've got uh, another, uh, we've got another, another two segments we're going to keep you, and we've got lots to talk about. This could probably go on for a couple of different uh, episodes. You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors. We're talking politics, we're talking advocacy, and all related to public relations with our guest Dennis Willard from uh, Precision New Media. You're listening to the Brand Ambassadors, and hey, give us a call at 866-472-5790 or send us an email, brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Ponderfield, along with Merritt Hamilton-Allen, who went and subdued a bur- burglar, or at least a burglar alarm, and our uh, and our guest, Dennis Willard from Precision New Media. And uh, uh, so, Dennis, so uh, here's what I wonder. I wonder, I wonder, you know, when, when you take on a client, we talked a little bit about this at the very beginning of the show before you came on, how much do you need to believe in your client's point of view, I mean, obviously it's a business you're running, but also you, you know, you you have strong beliefs. So, where's the balance there? Well, and Gary, you've known me since you know the last century, so I, I think you do know I'm kind of a strong belief kind of guy. So, um, so far, you know, since 2010, I haven't worked with anyone I really just didn't align with philosophically, um, and. Um, you know, for example, um, in 2017, we had a Drug Relief Act um, ballot initiative, and it was basically to lower drug prices in Ohio, and I worked on the yes side of trying to lower drug prices. I was approached 
by, before I got onto the campaign, I was approached by some folks with uh, Big Pharma and uh, told that I could work with Pharma if I stayed off of that campaign. Um, it probably would have been more lucrative for me because, you know, Pharma's got big, Big Pharma's got big pockets. But, um, but no, so, but I didn't want to do that. I did go on the Drug Relief Act campaign. Um, we did get beat uh, seriously. We, it was a serious beatdown. Uh, we lost, uh, but, but, but Big Pharma spent about $65 million in Ohio to defeat that issue, and we just couldn't put up the resources to counter that overwhelming message. But, but yeah, I, so far I've been fortunate, and, but I, you're right. You run a business, and you have to, sometimes you have to make those choices. Well, you know, it's interesting what you just said. There. So, so you said Big Pharma contacted you to basically uh, to not to, to to hire you, but to say stay out. If you stay out of this, we'll we'll treat you right. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, they sent they sent someone who was working on their campaign already called me and said, if you stand down, you'll have a chance to work with uh, pharma around the country uh, in other opportunities. We can't hire you on this campaign in Ohio but we would like you to stay off of uh, the other side. And wow. um, that just wasn't, um, that wasn't what I wanted to do. That's interesting. Wow. Help, help us help you not succeed. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say something, you know, about ballot initiatives. Um, you know, you can lose and win. You can lose and oh, win. Oh, I hate and, and, those. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, but, but so, so, you know, I jokingly say that I'm the patron saint of lost ballot causes in Ohio because, um, you know, I've worked on legalizing marijuana that failed. But within a year, after 19 years of ignoring this issue, within a year of that failure, the legislature passed medical marijuana. And we have we just opened our first medical marijuana dispensary this week in Ohio. In fact, I think it was yesterday and the first dispensary that uh, people bought $75,000 worth of medical marijuana. So um, and same thing with the Drug Relief Act. We raised so much attention about these uh, out-of-control drug prices um, that there was a series of newspaper articles in the Columbus Dispatch that got to these middlemen who were just ripping the system off for half a billion dollars a year. So there's going to be reform there. And then just this last year, I worked on a criminal and drug sentencing reform ballot initiative that also failed. But uh, we raised so much attention about the opioid epidemic and how people were being uh, fairly or unduly uh, marked with a scarlet F for felon uh, for drug use and possession only. And that that created tremendous barriers to them coming out of prison for jobs, um, for uh, educational opportunities, things like that. Uh, that the uh, legislature has made this a priority piece of legislation in the new general assembly. Uh, so you can, you can lose, but if you really run a good public awareness campaign, um, uh, you can put pressure on people who have the power to make change to actually go forward with reform. Uh, that's, that's really interesting to me. And I had not thought about it that way before because, um, my my experience with ballot initiatives, first of all, my small government reaction is, hey, if you don't like um, what your legislators, your city council, what whoever are doing, then vote them out. 
um, or show up, uh, show up at hearings and let people know what you think or call your representative. Um, but so my perspective was always a ballot initiative is just uh, whiny advocates who didn't get their way. Sorry. That's, but, that's all right. But, I, think, I think that's on my business card, whiny advocate who doesn't get his way. That, uh, no, I, I think you're right. There, 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 is, there, is, there is that merit. There is, there's absolutely that um, feeling in, you know, in states. But let me just say something that, you know, sometimes I think the legislature can do something that is completely out of touch with the public. And, and I'll give you an example, you know, um, and the first major campaign I worked on was in 2011 in Ohio. Um, the new incoming governor, like a number of Republican governors that came in in 11 after being elected in 10, Scott Walker uh, and others, he, in Ohio, he passed a law to uh, take away the collective bargaining rights for public employees. And that law had been on the books um, since 1983 and, uh, and, and in most cases worked really well. And what it really did was it stopped the strikes that um, were so prevalent among public employees prior to the 83 collective bargaining law. And it professionalized the public sector uh, employees in a lot of ways. But this was clearly a law that the public didn't want. And so we went, we were able to collect signatures and go to the voters and ask them to basically exercise a citizen's veto against this law. Um, so, so it is. So, ballot initiatives are also a way to put the power di- of direct democracy into the voters' hands. Right, and I guess to me, again, it's still not something I'm, I'm real fond of. Uh, and I, I think if you're not careful, a ballot initiative, particularly if it's really um, divisive, can backfire on you. And an example I'll give of that was City of Albuquerque. Gosh, I want to say six years ago, um, uh, pro-life advocates got a ballot initiative um, uh, that would, I want to say, uh, ban abortions after 20 weeks. It was pretty. It was it was a pretty heavy ban for the largest city in New Mexico, and um, the. Uh, it was so unpopular that it happened to be, you know, on, on the regular ballot for city council. And one of the best city councilors uh, we ever had um, happened to have an R after her name. And the pro-choice uh, vote came out so much to defeat uh, this really badly thought out ballot initiative that not only did the ballot initiative fail, but they uh, lost one of their city council supporters if she was defeated too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword in certain ways. Um, I think it is one way to have a check on, um, a check on government. If you want that, it's, it's one way to check government, but it also, um, I, I think one of the things. Be careful is, what you, you ask know, for. And be right, prepared exactly. and prepared for the loss to go down ballot. Well, the other thing too, Merritt, how hard, how difficult or how onerous was for, was it for voters to get that initiative on in Albuquerque? In Ohio, it, you have to spend almost two to three million dollars just to collect the signatures to put it. So if you don't have three million dollars just to collect signatures, you're not going to get on the ballot here. So it is, it's, you have to have money and you have to have organization to do it here. 
you know, and in some municipalities like Albuquerque, it might be as simple as getting 500 signatures or yeah, or it, and, and, or it, it's like a, and 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 I think that's why I have a problem with ballot initiatives because it seems like if you have an axe to grind and two cereal box tops, you can get on the ballot. And, and, <laughs> and, that, and, I, and I, so I do think the threshold issue of getting of making it to the ballot is really critical. Yeah, you have to have, That's I think you, you, it should right. be, I, I agree with you, it should be something where there is, you, you have to demonstrate there's a real desire by the community to actually do this. So Dennis, have you ever, in, 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 in the, uh, since uh, 2010, since you've been doing this, have you uh, ever had a, an issue that, that has crossed party lines that has allowed you to, to, to not have it be a partisan issue where it's, uh, I, I would think that'd be kind of uh, refreshing for you um, I don't know if it's happened, but uh, but does it happen? Yeah, there, there's a couple examples of that. It's it's really interesting. Um, I worked uh, on a successful effort in May of 2018 to change um, the way we draw legislative district lines here to end this really bad gerrymandering that we've had in Ohio, and then many states, you know, have the same problem. And that was a um, that was a bipartisan effort. And again, what happened was the moderate lawmakers from both parties realized that uh, the, the extreme gerrymandering had led to extreme left and right districts uh, in, in the Ohio House and Ohio Senate. And so there was concern by the moderates that these things were, that once the primary was over, that the uh, winners, you know, were chosen and, um, and, and so the primaries often were won by the uh, more extreme candidate in either party. So uh, we, we put together a coalition of really moderate Democrats and Republicans and um, were able to uh, first um, go to the legislature with a petition idea that we we're going to go directly to the voters. And even then, the more conservative and more liberal uh, lawmakers in the legislature that wanted to protect their districts realized that uh, it would be better if they tried to shape the legislation and, and uh, the ballot initiative, but we were successful at that. On the Drug Relief Act, for example, Gary, uh, there were Republicans, um, uh, very prominent Republicans, including the former uh, chairman of the Ohio Republican Party who worked with us on that, because there were a number of Republicans who uh, felt that the drug prices and the drug companies were just out of control. Uh, we've got to go to our final break. Um, we're talking with Dennis Willard. Give us a call if you want to join the conversation uh, for our last segment, segment 866-472-5790, or drop us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima. 
our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton-Allen and Dennis Willard for our last segment. And uh, Dennis has worked on, since he started Precision New Media, a number of campaigns, um, including those on collective bargaining, ending gerrymandering, which we talked about last uh, last segment, uh, 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 drug price issues, marijuana legalization. So, Dennis, uh, um, from a tactical perspective, you know, what are some of the ways that you go about supporting these issues that you are supporting? Well, so we're kind of client-driven, and that's how we've, you know, grown as a company. So we really, we, we try to build relationships and then try to do everything we can to meet the needs of the client. So we do, uh, like, we build websites. We do social media uh, postings uh, for uh, clients. We also, you know, do digital uh, and uh, high-def video uh, for clients, and then uh, a lot of communications work. So uh, it really, you know, uh, depends on what the client needs. Um, uh, but, but I will tell you that in, the one thing that I realized when I got out of reporting, I thought that I would just be a communications guru, you know, 
uh, not knowing that, you know, uh, what, what that really meant. But I thought would just be a communications consultant. And I realized very quickly that, especially with the growth of um, uh, social media, that you really needed to be telling your stories visually in so many ways. And that's when I started working with Cory um, a, a McCarthy and our firm and doing a lot of uh, graphic design uh, to sort of uh, coincide with our um, verbal messaging. And um, so tactically, you know, we really ask the client what they need. But I can give you an example. Like, uh, you know, we, we worked on a number of campaigns in Kansas last year with uh, House candidates and uh, and then we, and, and we had and th- we this was a follow up to sixteen and we were really uh, fortunate there uh, and because um, Kansas is a pretty conservative state and we were able to elect help elect thirteen uh, Democrats to the Kansas House of Representatives and we did it in two ways one was um, we went after Governor Brownback and uh, and uh, incumbents in the Kansas House who supported him, and he was the most unpopular governor in America at the time. And so we ran digital ads and basically told uh, people that, hey, uh, this guy or this woman in the legislature, we called him a brown backer. And we said, they, you know, he has, <laughs> this person has backed every, um, every you know, uh, thing that you don't like about the governor. Uh, but at the same time, we also knew that you had to have a, you know, uh, a, a, you know, a, a place for somebody to go who would, did not want to vote for that candidate. And so we ran ads really promoting the positives of the Democratic candidates. So that was like a tactic that we used particularly there in Kansas. And we repeated that in 18 because Brownback was still governor. Uh, and Kansas elected a woman governor, Laura Kelly, um, and a Democrat. And, and ironically, you know, you think of Kansas as, you know, um, you know, a sort of a, a very conservative state, but they're the first state in the country to have elected a woman governor three times. Yeah, and, and that uh, tactic um, absolutely worked in New Mexico. And when I say blue tsunami, I mean, Dennis, um, every just about every down-ballot down race to the magistrate judge level went Democrat. And uh, in New Mexico, judges are appointed when there's a vacancy by a review board and appointed by the governor, and then they have to run one time for um, um, attention. And so, um, well, actually, they always have to run for retention. But um, the Democrats put up, I want to say, five uh, five. Uh, uh, opponents to district and um, appellate judges, and they had an ad with um, that portrayed all of the incumbent Republican-appointed judges as marionettes controlled by the governor, and it obviously worked. And then heavy, heavy advertising again for each of the Democrat uh, Democratic uh, judicial candidates. So, yes, uh, I saw that here as a very uh, a very effective tactic is finding a, um, uh, if you will, kind of putting identity politics and bringing it down to um, other candidates and down ballot races. Yeah, and, and it's, I'm wondering, Merritt, you know, and I have some friends um, um, in the New Mexico Democratic Party, and, you know, um, um, and I'm wondering whether how much they did online with that. We do, you know, Gary, you asked about tactics. We do a lot of work with online advertising. It changed dramatically after the presidential campaign because Facebook 
uh, started to tighten, uh, and, and rightly so, they should have, the way that yes. uh, uh, firms like ours advertise online. So we had to register. We had to prove we were U.S. citizens. We had to get, like, two letters of confirmation from Facebook before we be- could become basically ad managers for clients' Facebook pages and therefore run ads through them. But we micro-target. The, the thing is, I'll give you an example. In Kansas, there was a House candidate who was walking doors, knocking doors, which is the most basic campaign tactic there is. And uh, we talked to him, and we started to deliver ads to the streets, the neighborhoods where he was knocking doors a week before he knocked doors, and then uh, a week after he knocked those doors. And so, and that's so was, much so much cheaper than the oh, mail walk mail model that so many folks right. still use. Right, exactly. And um, and and he was and he told us, you know, it was anecdotal, but he would show up on a door and people would say, "Yeah, I've seen your I've seen your ad online." Um, so so there is there's a there's a whole new world out there in online advertising, um, and it's like any other advertising, you know. It, it works to a degree, but it can only be one part of a campaign. You know, correct. And just a, you know, a note on that, I think one reason I didn't see a lot of on, uh, the online uh, Democratic campaign ads is uh, I don't think they were trying to reach me. <laughs> Since, no, you we, know, I we, had we, a Republican we, candidate page, I don't think I was part of um, their micro-targeting. You're absolutely right. Like, um, <laughs> we, 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 you know... So there's a, you know, you can basically take the voter file and um, and lay over the f- Facebook o- the, over the voter file and and uh, and then at, and and then look at somebody who might be, you know, based on their score, their Republican or Democratic score. And we we always remove. There's no reason to deliver an ad to you. We're not going to change your mind, you know. If do, mm-hmm. and uh, but what we do do is we try to motivate the base to get out and vote and to know who they should vote for. And then we really go hard after that middle I talked about earlier in the program, uh, those independents or those swing voters, and try to get them with uh, the issues that matter to them. And because it is so relatively inexpensive, you know, it's the one place where you can uh, not only micro-target the voter, but you can micro-target the message to the voter as well. I, um, yeah, if, uh, if you're considering uh, participating in a campaign or running yourself, GOTV are the most important four letters you're going to have, are going to know, and they're, they're going to uh, haunt you 24 hours a day. Uh, Dennis, I can't believe, I was trying to pass the last question to Gary, and he le- reminded me we're out of time. Um, I, I, I'm going to call this po- um, ad- Advocacy Outreach Part 1, because obviously you have to come back. If you want to reach out to... Precision New Media. You can go to precisionnewmedia.com. Um, uh, you can also find their page on Facebook. Uh, Dennis Willard is on LinkedIn as Dennis Willard and at, on Twitter as dwills, D-W-I-L-L-Z 14. Um, I wish we had more time, and I think we're going to have to make uh, more time on another episode. What about you, Gary? Yep, and we'll talk about nonsense next time. I thought that's what we're doing. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thanks so much uh, for joining us. This has been a great conversation. Uh, For Dennis Willard and Gary Potterfield, I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen. You've been listening to The Brand Ambassadors. We'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.